welcome to Mount Olive First Pentecostal Holiness Church. Thank you for connecting with us. In just a moment, Pastor Jeff will be sharing an uplifting and encouraging message that we pray will inspire you in your walk with God. Our desire at MOFPHC is for you and your family to find hope in Jesus Christ so that He will transform your life. Thanks again for connecting with us. Please contact us if we can help you discover God's purpose for your life. Enjoy the message. Um, it is an honor for me to be here today to get a chance to speak. An honor that my pastor is actually getting a chance to get away, to get some refreshing. As Pastor uh, Kevin said it earlier, Pastor Jeff's heart is huge and he'll burn a candle at both ends trying to make sure that he can touch people's lives. And you know, and that he just needs to be refreshed. He needs to be refueled right now. And uh, Michael Sykes said it on Wednesday night, and just his message was fantastic, but what really stood out to me before he even really got going, he stopped everything and he said, we need to make sure that we are praying for our pastor every single day. We need to make sure that we're doing that. And I, and I agree with what he said purposely, because he said, and he said it correctly, our pastor is doing an incredible work. Some amazing things are happening through this church because the Holy Spirit is speaking to him and ministering to him and doing it through him. And we need to ensure that that continues to happen because, you know, whenever you're trying to do something for the Lord, the devil's trying to ruin it. And we need to make sure that our pastor is never attacked and broken down, but he's always lifted up to make sure that he, God can continue to work through him. Amen? Amen. Okay. So, saying all that and uh, getting a chance, and he and I were talking about what we wanted to cover today, what we wanted to discuss, and uh, what we thought as we discussed it, what I, it just became more apparent to me as we were going through it and reflecting that discipleship is in desperate need in this country. Discipleship is something that is just so important. Now, if you know, if you guys are new here and you don't know Pastor Jeff, and you'll get to know him over time, you'll see that Pastor Jeff, once again, I say it, has a humongous heart. He wants to make sure that every single person that he comes into contact with is saved and on their way to heaven, and that is commendable, and I love him for it. There's a lot I can learn from him about stuff like that. Every single person, he wants to make sure that they are saved and on their way to heaven, but he'll tell you to your face, it does not stop there. It is not we get them saved and then we pat them on the back and we tell them good luck. We get them saved, and well, excuse me, the Holy Spirit gets them saved through Jesus, but we ensure that as they're receiving that, that now we pull them in and we begin to disciple them and we begin to explain to them what Scripture says, what Scripture means, and that is vital. That is just absolutely vital vital that we do that and and, and we're going to go into that and discuss that but if, uh, dealing with teenagers so often sometimes you have to break it down and explain things what does that mean to be a disciple well if you were to google it because no one has a dictionary anymore if you were to google it uh, a disciple is a follower or a student of something okay now you can be a disciple of whatever you want to be in the context that we're referencing it. We're talking about the original disciples and how they lived and how they acted, and that's how we're supposed to be. So we're talking about Peter, James, and John, and the others, how they did things and how they did it. Because Jesus went to them and found them. Now, it still blows my mind how that all happens. Okay, uh, He goes up to them, whatever they're doing, wherever they're working, whatever they're doing, and he goes, stop what you're doing, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men blows my mind to this day but it's Jesus he can do whatever he wants it blows my mind that they literally dropped it and were willing to leave it all behind and pursue God with everything they had and because of that some amazing things happened for them they did become fishers of men now you have to understand 
that as they became disciples, because they were being discipled, things happened to them. Things, they interacted with Jesus in certain ways. So they're walking with him for years. They're walking with him everywhere. So as they're going, you know he's breaking down scripture for them. He's explaining to them what God is trying to say to their hearts. He's even at, at points having to rebuke them as, you know, as he did for Peter to get thee behind me. As he's having to set them straight, as he's showing them miracles, reminding them of his power, and demonstrating this all the time. And he's helping them to understand that, hey guys, soon I will be leaving. All of these things that I'm demonstrating to you and teaching to you, you are therefore now going to have to carry it forward. That is why he discipled them, because he knew the day was coming that he was not going to be physically present with them, and that they were therefore going to have to be the mouthpiece of Jesus. There's a need for discipleship and we're going to pick up in scripture and you have to understand at this part in scripture Jesus has died and risen again as he's preparing soon to ascend again to heaven and he's called the disciples together and he's speaking with them and he's trying to uplift them and encourage them now this is picking up a lot of us have read this in the great commission this is uh, Matthew 28 starting in verse 16 it says then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to, uh, came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks now for your scripture. And Holy Spirit, we invite you into this service. We invite you into this time that the words that are going to be said are your words and only your words. Holy Spirit, we invite you into our ears and our hearts that as the words are spoken, that they are received in the right way, that we can therefore put them in our hearts and then put them into practice. God, this is your service. And we give you thanks that we can worship you here in freedom and in peace. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, reading this, and I'll, I'll go ahead and explain to you guys if you don't already know. When I read the Bible, I just see things differently. I, I just do. I, I read it, and then just things just jump out at me. Uh, first thing I read is just how obedient these disciples are. Verse 16, it says, they went where they were told to go. Okay, as a parent, I would love to learn how to do that. How do you get them to go and to do what they're supposed to do without having to explain why? Okay, okay, I felt that over here. Okay. It's amazing to me because it's very easy at points to hear what God is telling you to do and to easily turn around and tell God, nah, not today, I'm not going to be embarrassed. I understand you want me to go do that, but I'm not comfortable, so therefore I'm not going to do it. These disciples did not list their grievances. They went and did as they were told. And then as Jesus arrives, what do they do? They begin to worship him. How do we respond when we get into the presence of Jesus? Do we respond with worship or do we start with complaints and grievances? They started off with worship. That's, that's the best way to start it, isn't it? They fall down at worship and they begin to just express how much they love him. They're just so happy to see him. Now, some doubt it. It does say that some doubt it. And I truly believe that, uh, again, you can read scripture how you want to, but I just feel like sometimes the Lord speaks to me in different ways. I don't know. I really feel like verse 17 is there for those who are doubting. And he tells them, all authority in heaven and earth is in me because of my Father. So you're doubting and you're, you're having apprehension right now because you saw me crucified, you saw me put into the tomb, but I'm here now because my Father has ordained this and set this up. So you can set your doubt to the side because I have the authority to make sure that you are blessed and taken care of. Verse 
He starts it out helping them and showing them that it's okay. And then he follows it up with the assignment that they are supposed to do. And he says, therefore, go. Now again, that does not say, hey Peter, remember when I I died and you were uh, upset and you didn't know what to do and you went back to doing things in your old life? No, you're not going to do that this time. This time I'm telling you to go. That means you have to leave where you are comfortable at and you have to go. It does not say stay and just stay in this one session of worship that you're doing right now. It says that you are to do it now, but then you are supposed to go. Now, when I read that, it's convicting for me. It's convicting for me because I understand what it's telling me. That it's telling me that I cannot stay in the confines of this building. I cannot stay in the confines of that youth center. I have to go out there. Because I'll be honest with you, it's a a natural part of me. Sometimes I I get nervous and I get shy and I don't want to step out in front of people. And I'd like to just stay in that youth center and just hope and pray that teenagers show up. But that's not the way it works. You have to go out there and you have to demonstrate and you have to express them and you have to disciple to them and explain to them why they need to be a part of church. You need to explain to them why they actually need Jesus. You don't just hope that they show up. And, and I think sometimes as, as a people, we can get into our comfort zone and then we do not want to step out of that because I'm happy here, I'm comfortable here, I've been blessed and I've got nothing to complain about. Jesus is touching me, but what about everybody else? Do you just keep it for yourself? He said to go. And when we are to go, we are to go and to make disciples. Again, we said disciples are people that follow. They're students of something that they are following. So in this context, I read this, and I just, I just imagine Jesus pulling Peter and the other guys aside, and he's talking to them, and he's like, hey, 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 Peter, uh, you know, last man, the last few years have been fantastic. They have been fantastic. We've been going here and there and everywhere we've gone. The miracles have happened. You remember that? Remember I healed that blind guy? That was fantastic. You know, that one guy that was dead, and we raised him? That was cool. He's, he's expressing everything that, remember we talked about this scripture and we broke it down and you had a misconception, but I set you straight and now look at you, you know it and you're wearing it and you're walking in it and you're doing what you're supposed to do. You know how this whole time I have been empowering you. I have been showing you how to therefore go into minister. I've been demonstrating all of this to you. I've been giving you opportunities because you know what, Peter? The day is coming when I'm going back to my father and I will not be here. And the things that I have talked to you about, the things that we have walked through, the miracles that you have seen happen, all of these things, the things that I've been discipling into you, you are now to go give that to them. Okay? I'm not the brightest bulb. You can ask my wife. The first question out of my mouth would be, who are they? I, I get what you're trying to say, Jesus, that was fantastic. You're trying to tell me to go minister to them, but who are they? Well, it's fantastic. He goes on to tell him. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. That means everyone. That's not easy to do. Have you ever just had a group of people that uh, there could be 100 people in a room, but you're just more comfortable talking to two or three because you, you're just, your interests and you're just everything about them, they just line up more with you and you're drawn to the two or three rather than the other 98? But he doesn't say just go to who you're comfortable to talking to. He says to go to everyone. So imagine that in this time where of this uh, Jewish culture where they're very, uh, they're just very secluded. They want to stay to themselves. They don't like bringing in other people. You know, other people do come in. Obviously, you heard the uh, parable of the the Good Samaritan. 
that was like a slap in the face to the religious people because the Samaritans were viewed as lower people. He's even saying, go to those people. The ones you do not view as equal with you, you need to go talk to them. That's for all of us. So that means literally, if someone is in front of you, God has placed them in your path and they are living and breathing, you're supposed to disciple them. That means that coworker, you know, you know which one I'm talking about, right? That one coworker just drives you absolutely insane. That coworker, you're supposed to be discipling them, not just ignoring them. That one family member that you avoided holidays, okay, maybe that's just me. Okay, that one family member, <laughs> that one family member, you're supposed to be discipling them. You're not supposed to be okay whether or not they make it into heaven or not. We're supposed to get out of our comfort zone and go to them and express them and explain to them what scripture says. Even when they argue with you and tell you that they don't care and they hate God, you're still supposed to tell them about it. It's not easy, it's not fun, but you know what? It's, it's necessary because if you don't, who will? They're in your path for a reason. So therefore, you need to tell them about it. He goes on to say, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So basically, he's saying, you know, when we do baptisms here, it's after they've been saved and, they, and they're expressed to them what it actually means and that they're, they're explained to them that the baptism that we're doing here in water, it is a, a public demonstration of your faith. Now, keep in, keep in mind this time and this age, Jesus is not the popular opinion. Huh, similar to now. Jesus is not the popular opinion, so to serve him, to follow him, to go against the religious customs of that time and to follow Jesus, that's not a popular opinion. Therefore, to encourage them and disciple them enough to actually take a public stand and be baptized in front of everyone, that's a big step. But that's how far that they're supposed to be discipled to where they're willing to step out no matter the ridicule, no matter what, they're willing to stand up for God. That's the point to where we're supposed to disciple them, but therefore we have to be discipled to that point as well. And then it says, and it follows up with baptism in the Holy Spirit. We have to disciple them that they are prepared, that they are becoming open vessels willing to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So therefore, they can walk in power. Are we walking in power personally? Are we walking with the Holy Spirit, empowering our steps? Are we walking in meekness, just hoping we can skate into heaven? That's how I went through high school. Didn't work out well. Are we hoping that we can just get in? Or we do, do we want to walk in power? We need to prepare them for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It says, verse 20, it says, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Pastor not Jeff and I were discussing this subject and we were going back and forth about so many things and it came up in Acts 18. We were discussing uh, Aquila and Priscilla. Now in Acts 18, they're there and Paul comes into their, the situation and they're together because they're working together. They're all tent makers. So they're working together hand in hand, day in and day out for this time period. And you have to imagine what it would be like to be with Paul day in and day out. This man who's absolutely set on fire that God had blinded for a period of time to then actually open his eyes to who he was. Now that he had his life completely changed, he's no longer setting up Christians to be killed, but now he's trying to make Christians this man, he's working with them day in and day out. You know they weren't just talking about tents. You know that he was pouring into them everything that had been poured into him. He was telling them every single day the things about Scripture that God is showing to him. He was demonstrating that you know he was practicing sermons on them. Come on. 
every single day he is planting seeds and he is building up Aquila and Priscilla and he's doing this because he knows that eventually his calling is to never stay in one place. His calling is to go. Paul knows that his calling is to go from place to place to place that does not know Jesus and begin to plant churches and to pour out the Spirit so that they can begin to grow in that community. That is his calling. And Paul has moved on now. He's built up Aquila and Priscilla and he's moved on to another place to spread the gospel. And then we have a new guy step onto the scene, Apollos. This is starting in verse 24, uh, Acts 18, 24. It says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he only knew the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. Okay, this is the part where it's teaching them to obey, teaching them to do the things that I have put out there for you. Priscilla and Aquila, they have been taught the way. They have been discipled. They are now, therefore, going and finding other people to disciple. They come across Apollos, this man who's very charismatic. He's obviously speaking in the synagogue and people are listening. He's having a way and speaking life over others, but he's missing key pieces of knowledge. He's missing key pieces of knowledge of Jesus. So what do they do? They're, they're very Christian, so they bring him into their home so you know they fed him. Okay, there's no better time to explain something to somebody, but when you're feeding them, they're trapped audience. They're not going to leave that food. Okay, they're ministering to him. They're speaking him, speaking to him. They're building him up. If you read on in scripture after this time, he goes on to do some amazing things for the early church. How less would have his ministry been had he not known everything he needed to know of Jesus? How diminished would it be as he's trying to portray the word of Jesus if he had not been discipled and explained to? He had the charisma. He had knowledge. He had the ability to get up there and the boldness to get up and speak, but he did not have the complete utter knowledge of Christ that he needed but Priscilla and Aquila pulled him to the side and they began to disciple him and build him up as as a a youth pastor here I deal with uh, a lot of the younger generation so pretty much college all the way down Uh, I don't know the elementary kids as well I don't see them day in and day out I just know the ones that attack me Um, yes thinking of you Colton Shiver I'll get you back but I, I, I look at our, this younger generation and I see so many of them with talent that just blows my mind uh, Ivy over here can sing like an angel I can't I sounded like a donkey a minute ago I'm glad nobody was in front of me I see talent and ability in so many of our teenagers but sometimes what I see that is lacking is a relationship with Jesus I see charisma kids that could walk into a room that could just, everybody just wants to be with that kid. I see it all the time, but you know what they lack? They lack an actual knowledge of Jesus. They know what they've been taught in kids' church, but that's where that stops for them. They're at, that's adequate to them, but that's not adequate for Jesus. I see a generation that is coming up. Uh, when I look at social media, and I, I explained this to the first service, I have this horrible uh, tradition and morning thing that I do. It's as stupid as can be. It starts out really well. I will crack one eye open because it is too bright to crack the other one. It is still buried in the pillow. I will grab my phone. I will pull up the U version Bible app, and I will go to a, uh, this 
Bible study that we're doing at my leadership that we do every single day. I love it because it shows check marks so you know who's read it, who hasn't. You can see what they type in and what they thought. I'll do it every day before I get out of bed. I try to read this. And then I spend a moment in prayer. And then after that, I do the stupidest thing possible. I will then now check ESPN. Uh, They will follow that, and I'll start checking what's trending on Twitter. How stupid is that? You walk right out of Jesus' hand, and you walk right back into what they're doing. That's dumb as can be, because I get irritated every single time. This week, I I pulled up uh, Twitter, and um, you understand what's, what's trending on social media? You ever notice how not one time do you ever see anything that is uplifting of Jesus? That's never trending. That's never trending. What I saw this week was a hashtag, expose Christian schools. That was the hashtag that was going around, was expose Christian schools. Now you have to understand that every single person who posted with this hashtag was not posting with the exposing how awesome they are. They were doing it from the propaganda and the agenda side of trying to say that these things are awful, that we should be teaching real education, not teaching them about God. And they were trying to throw heresy out there. Now, will I, am I saying that every Christian school and every Christian person does it everything the right way? Absolutely not. Some have not been discipled to where they need to be. Therefore, they're throwing out half facts and they don't know everything and they're just hoping it works. They were bringing up horrible things that have happened as they were growing up. And they were just one after the other after the other. They were just posting, and it was completely negative the entire time. If I'm seeing this, so can my teenagers. So can any child with a phone. And what are they seeing? They're seeing that Christianity is wrong. They're seeing that Christianity has led these people down paths that were unbelievable, that they were harmed by Christians, and that these things happen, and therefore no one should be a Christian. This is stupid, and you should not be a part of it. Can I speak to you as a parent for a moment? When I see things like that, I realize that other kids are seeing that, and then I realize to myself that if that child is not being discipled properly, they'll begin to believe this. When we were at Gospel Tabernacle, uh, we saw uh, teenagers there that this is what they believed, that they were what they read online and what they heard in school, what their teachers were telling them, and what was just being pushed through the agenda of public education at points was what they were truly starting to believe. No matter how much the youth pastor I worked for explained to them how according to Scripture, not our opinion, but according to Scripture, it says that homosexuality is a sin and therefore it should not be done. Our our teenagers who were attending church from the time they were practically born were putting the rainbow flag as their filter on Facebook and all these other things and they were trying to say, just let them love who they want to love. That's what we all just need. We just need love. It'll fix everything. No, we won't. It just makes it worse. It confuses people. We were watching this as teenagers because you know what was happening? And I'm speaking as a parent at the moment. What we were trying to implement in church was not being backed up at home. Parents, can I tell you as a parent myself who's got a 12-year-old who's going on 30, or believes he is, that desperately wants to do all the things that everyone else is doing and can at points get frustrated because we do not allow him to do everything that everyone else is doing. I'm not going to allow you to play the exact same games that your best friends at school are playing. You will not watch the same movies that they watch. You will not watch the same shows that they watch because you know what? You're not going to be the same 12-year-old that I was. 
I will tell you as a parent, when you start breaking down, I, I truly hope that you parents and myself included, that we are not depending on the church to do all the discipleship for us. Because let me go ahead and explain to you, there's 168 hours in a week, and if you showed up for Sunday morning, you showed up for Sunday night, and you showed up for Wednesday night, which doesn't always happen, that's a minute, maximum of three hours a week that we get a chance to pour into your child. That's not enough. Amen. That's not enough. Are we monitoring what's happening on our children's phones? My children are mad because they don't have one. My 10-year-old wants a phone all the time. I'm like, who you going to call? We're all here. <laughs> I threaten him all the time. They're like, fine, you want a phone? I'll get you a jitterbug. You'll have mom, dad, and the police. That's it. That's all you're going to get. See if you really need a phone now. My kids can get frustrated at points, but you know what? I'm okay with that. You can dislike me right now, but 20 years from now, you will not be stuck in that same sin that I grew up in. You will be better and stronger, and you're not going to struggle as I did. I love you enough to tell you no right now. I love, to, I love you enough right now when your teacher tells you this, and I know scripturally that is incorrect. I will sit down and explain to you why that is incorrect. I'm not going to throw my opinion at you. I'm going to show you the exact scripture as to why that is wrong. Do I do it perfectly every time? Absolutely not. But you know what? I'm trying. I'm not hoping that somebody else does it for me because I know that the propaganda and the agendas of this country today do not support my Christian beliefs. They are trying to tell my children that God is not real, and if he is real, why would he allow bad things to happen to good people? They are trying to turn our children in another way away from what God is telling us that we're supposed to do with our children. Then I start thinking of uh, people that I've interacted with. Once again, I, I, I've interacted with people at jobs before that have had so much talent, charisma, and ability that if they just took that creative ability that they have that God has blessed them with and they actually used it for God, they could just blow doors off a place. But they're so upset and they're so angry. I, again, I've got family members, that uh, people that I've worked with that just hate Jesus. Hate. Isn't that crazy? It's hard for me to imagine because I know that everything in my life is not perfect. You can look at me and tell. But I am blessed. Amen. I don't have millions of dollars, but I am blessed. Amen. My God is taking care of me every single day. I have things I can complain about. Well, what good is that? Because I'm blessed. These same people that I've worked with in the past, they would get so upset and gripe and bemoan so many things. And, and, and that time I was intimidated and I didn't want to say anything and I'm just like, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a bummer. Good luck with that. I wasn't built up and discipled enough in myself to then turn around and tell those people that are frustrated and angry that are saying they hate God. I, I'm not pre- I wasn't prepared enough in my scripture to combat them. Because, you know, if you try to combat somebody who's angry and upset and you try to battle them with opinions, you know the phrase they say, don't argue with an idiot because people won't be able to tell who's who. If you try to argue with somebody with your opinion only, you're not doing any good. You're just fueling their fire. There are people around us all the time, all the time, everywhere we go. Remember we joked around a minute ago about that one coworker? You know who they are? Those people need to be discipled. Those people need to be ministered to. That's what it talks about in the Great Commission that we're supposed to go, get out of our comfort zone. Am I comfortable talking to other people about Jesus all the time? No. I, t- I told the first service, I get, a, uh, I get nervous at points going somewhere with Jeff Dale. 
when I first got this job, we went to Piggly Wiggly. Man, he knew everyone in there and was like praying for people, anointing people. And I'm just like, what are we doing? I'm serious. We went, we went out the, our, my, the first time I got to do Kiss Mount Olive. Those of you who don't know that, what that is, we go around Mount Olive. We give out like little bags of Hershey Kisses and an invite card, and we just tell people to have a blessed day that God's thinking of you. It, you know, it might be rough here at the office today, but God's thinking of you, and every time you eat one of these, just rem- remember that. I remember going into a business, and this lady saw Jeff walk through the door. I'm right behind him. She sees Jeff come through the door. All her coworkers are around her. She breaks down crying, literally breaks down crying, runs up to Jeff, and they just start praying in the middle of everyone. And I'm just like, are we going to do this right here? Like, we could pull her to the side. Like, nah, you go somewhere with Jeff Dale, you're going to fix it today. I was not ready, okay? Kevin did not warn me of this. But you know what? My, my pastor, when he does that, he's doing what's supposed to be done. He doesn't care about how he looks. He doesn't care about other people's opinions. He cares about making sure that he is obedient to God. So when God tells him to go and make disciples, he's going to go. And if you're going with him, you better hang on. It says to go and make disciples of everybody. Once again, if they're living and they're breathing and you can talk to them and they're in your path, you better tell them about Jesus because you don't know if anybody else is doing it. You cannot just assume that they're going to get enough Jesus from somebody else. You can't assume that they get enough Jesus on Sundays. Some of them don't go to church. When are they supposed to get it if you don't tell them? We have been given the task of the commission. It is not something that we can just happenstance and hope it happens. Pastor Jeff laid out last week. Laid out last week. So from where you're sitting right now, five miles around us, he laid it out there perfectly. There are 3,000 people that are unchurched. 3,000 people that are unchurched from where you're sitting right now. Okay, if we were to rephrase that, from where you're sitting right now within five miles, there are 3,000 people that if they are not told something about God, if they're not shown the Savior, they are absolutely going to hell. Are we still comfortable with that number? He asked last week, what are we going to do to reach them? I would ask the question in a different way. I would ask the question right now, are you prepared to try to reach them? Because a gimmick or a a slogan will not get them into heaven. We absolutely love God and love people, but somebody who's mad and upset, that means nothing to them. Are we discipled enough personally to be able to go speak life into that person's life? Are we there where we're supposed to be? Pastor Kevin, would you come play? What are we going to do to reach them? Well, first, we're going to make sure that we're good. Uh, I had the, the first slide up there earlier said discipleship. If we were to actually change it up and actually add to it, it should say discipleship, be one, make one. Before you can go out and actually try to disciple someone else, you first have to be discipled. You first have to receive from the Lord, okay? So in order to be discipled, first you have to be a follower. That means you have to be saved. If you're not saved today, today's the the day to get that fixed. We have to first be willing to be poured into. So often as a younger Christian, I believed in Jesus, but I didn't want to hear what you had to say. I wasn't willing to be poured into. I didn't want to be corrected because that's not fun. I want to be right. I want to have fun. 
I don't want to be told that what I'm doing is wrong. You have to be willing to be poured into. You have to be willing to get into a place of worship as often as possible. There's a statistic that says that uh, if people attend church once every six weeks, they consider that their home church. If you're attending church once every six weeks, I'm not a math whiz, but that's not very often when you consider there's only 52 weeks in a year. I mean, you're, you're attending less than 10 times a year if that's, if that's what you're doing. If you're doing that, there's no way in the world that you are properly being discipled because as I said, or, uh, as I told the first service, Francis Chan says that what we tend to believe is that our, our, our pastor is the one that should be out discipling everyone and then we just cheer him on. That is incorrect. Our pastor is the equipper. He gives you the word that he has been received from the Holy Spirit and he imparts it into you. You are therefore supposed to take that which has been imparted to you that you have been equipped with and you are therefore now supposed to go tell that family member who doesn't know about Jesus the word that has been given to you because Pastor Jeff is not going to be there to talk to that person. Pastor Jeff cannot go to your job and talk to those people that you work with every single day. He can't. He is one man already burning the candle on both ends. It's it's impossible. Therefore, he is supposed, you are supposed to receive from him. So you need to be in a place of worship to receive it. Personally, we have to do some other things for ourselves to, to play on words and to play on what our church is doing. We have to be willing to immerse ourselves into the Bible. We have to be willing to get into the word, not checking off scripture that we have read it for the day, but to actually read something, dwell on it, read the scripture around it to make sure we understand the proper context and then try to then implement it into our lives. Don't just read Jesus wept and say, I would too. But understand why he wept. Understand the heart that he had in that moment. Pray that you have that same heart for those that are struggling. We should spend personal time in prayer. Not just giving him our list of things that we want done, but also listening to him as he's telling us what we need to implement in our lives. We have to be one before we can make one. We have to be discipled. Do you have a Priscilla or an Aquila in your life right now? Do you have someone that can come alongside of you that is further along in their walk with God that can pour into you? That's a, that's a big thing for us this year as a staff, that we're supposed to find people that can pour into us. That You know where you want to go down that road? Find somebody that's already there and get them to pour into you. I, I, I joke that Mama T reminds me of my grandma. She reminds me of my grandma. I remember what my grandma was to so many people growing up. She was literally called grandma by everybody at the church. My grandma, uh, she just did everything she could to get every single kid in the neighborhood. We had a, she had like a six-seater Buick, and I don't want to tell you how many kids were in it. Let's just say it looked like a clown car with people getting out of it constantly. But every single one of those kids remembered my grandma and remembered how she poured into them and loved on them and told them about Jesus. When my grandma passed away, there was, there was more than just my family that was crying over her passing because she was willing to take the time and to pour into them. Do you have an Aquila and a Priscilla in your life to set you straight when you're not doing what you're supposed to do? If you don't, find one. Find someone that's strong enough in their faith to hold you accountable when you're not. We need to do that. We need to be building ourselves up 
daily because there are people in our lives that need to hear about Jesus and if we don't tell them, who will? As we're being built up, we need to ask God for wisdom and how to speak to those people. We need to ask God for favor that the opportunities will open up. The words to say when it does open up. I don't want to wing it when it comes to those that I love to make sure they get into heaven. I want to make sure I'm prepared. I have sisters today that I'm worried about. If I'm not preparing myself, and who will? I have, I have people that I used to work with that I, if I were to seriously be honest, if they were to die today, they're on their way to hell. Am I, am I okay with that? Am I comfortable with that? No. Therefore, I need to pray to have the opportunity to speak life into them that their lives would change and that they would turn from what they're doing. But in order to do that, we have to be willing to pay the cost of time. We have to be willing to pay the cost of time, time personally for our personal buildup and then we have to be willing to pay the cost to pour into them. Do you know that discipling someone is not an instantaneous act? It is not an instantaneous act. Jesus spent years with the disciples. Are you prepared to spend years for someone that you love to make sure that they get to heaven? My grandmother, one of my favorite Christians of all time, probably the biggest reason I am a Christian, she poured into my grandpa day after day after day after day. He would yell, he'd get irritated, he'd ignore her. But every single day she prayed for him, every single day she said something to him about scripture, and every single day or every time that there's a chance the doors were open at the church, he saw her going in. Do you know that it wasn't until my grandfather was basically on his deathbed that he finally turned his life to the Lord, but he did it. But he did it. She put years and years and years and years into this, but the payoff was there. Are we willing to put forth the efforts no matter the cost, are we willing to put forth that so therefore that the ones that we love, the ones that we know that God is calling us to speak to to make sure they get into heaven? Would you guys stand with me? Once again, thinking of this generation that is coming up, my children and the other children I deal with here at church, if we were willing to take time to pour into them, we could be pouring into the next Apollos, the next Billy Graham, the next person that could be an absolute generational changer because I'm nervous about where the generations behind me are going because what they're being demonstrated to, what they're being told, it's not carrying them to heaven, it's carrying them further away. My mom said last night at dinner that... Uh, she's glad that eventually she's going to pass on and go to heaven because she's kind of worried about what this country's going to look like in 50 years. My kids are, prayerfully, my kids are going to be alive in 50 years and I'm, if my kids aren't being discipled, what are they going to do? We've been commissioned. We've been commissioned to be the hands and feet of Jesus going out and to make disciples. Would you pray with me? Father, you have given this scripture for a reason. It is not written in the Bible arbitrarily, but Father, these are words of power that we are supposed to implement into our lives. Father, your word says that we are to go, get out of our comfort zone and get out there and to make disciples out of everyone. 
whether they are like us or they are not like us, they are still people that you are willing to die for on a cross and that you desire greatly to be with you in heaven. Therefore, we have to present the gospel. Therefore, we have to be willing to take the time and to disciple them. We have to be willing to take the time to teach them what your word says and how to live about it properly. Let us not be a church or a people group that just hopes that people get saved or hopes that people come to church. Let us be a people that are willing to go out and to minister, to go out and to disciple, to get out of our comfort zone, to be willing to pay the cost that is so minuscule when compared to the cost you paid upon the cross. Help us, Father, to be who you've called us to be. Today, if there's a single person here in this room that does not know you as their Savior, that has not been discipled, I pray, God, that you would grab a hold of their hearts. Father, if they don't know you as their Savior, it's such an easy fix that they may have been putting off. Today is the day to fix that. No longer should we put it off, but we should do as your word says. We should call out to you. Call out to you confessing our sin, asking for forgiveness, and then calling you in and asking you to be the Savior and Lord of our lives. Help those today who do not know you to call out to you today to change the way they are living. But don't try to change it by their own physical means, but through your Holy Spirit. God, let us be a a church that cares. I beg, Father, that you would put even just one person on every heart and mind that is here today that we would be willing to dedicate ourselves to that person to ensure that that person is discipled, that person is making their way to heaven. Let us have a heart of compassion. Father, uh, as you said that all authority is in your hands and that you would be with us to the end of the age, Father, as we're getting tired or we're getting frustrated, we feel like the words that we're saying are hitting a brick wall. Remind us that we are doing your will and those seeds are being planted and that you are there refreshing us and taking care of us. God, we just give you praise for this. God, we're not worthy to help you, to assist you, but God, you have asked us to do it. Let us be responsive to your word. 